Welcome to the podcast from Mount Hope's Belmont campus. If we don't know each other, my name is Brian. I'm the pastor at the campus of Mount Hope in Belmont, Massachusetts, and it's good to talk to you again this week. The sermon you're about to hear was given as the last sermon in a series we're calling Ancient Families, Modern Problems. What we've talked about in this series is the fact that even though the world has changed a lot since the Bible was written a couple thousand years ago, the problems that we deal with, with parents, kids, aunts, uncles, grandparents, being a single person in the world, they really haven't changed that much over time. And so the Bible actually has a lot to say to us about what it looks like to live lives of character and integrity within our families. This last sermon in the series is one directed uh, towards everybody, no matter where you are, no matter what your family looks like, no matter what role you play. This is a sermon that I believe you can benefit from. And I hope you enjoy it, and I hope you'll listen closely, because I believe that God has something he would like to say to you. I cannot believe that I ever did that. Have you ever had a moment? Is there a moment that you can point to in your life where you look back now, and and you look in the rearview mirror, and you say to yourself, how did I ever think that was a good idea at the time? In fact, you might look, use these words, how could I have ever been so childish in that moment? How could I have ever thought that way? How could I have spoke? spoken that way? How could I have reasoned that way? It was so childish of me to think that that was a good idea in that moment. Uh, If you're like me, you have not just one moment you can look back to, you have a whole slew of moments that you can look back to in your life and just say to yourself, why did I ever think that was a good way to think? Why did I ever think that was a good way to act? Why did I ever think I should have said that or I should have acted that way? If I think back to like childish behavior that I've done, one of the, one of the moments that really sticks out to me is uh, a time in high school. I must have been 15, 16 years old, and I had a friend that she drove a car that was always seemed kind of funny to me because it was just so small and compact. It was called a Ford Fiesta. Does anyone remember the Ford Fiesta? If you don't remember the, the Ford Fiesta, it was like a, a golf cart that was street legal is the best way to describe it. It would be like if you took a smart car and compacted it. That is the, the, the Ford Fiesta. And, you know, it it was funny to me because if I stood next to that car, the car was so much smaller uh, than I was. It seemed so small when I would stand next to it. So one time we're all in the the parking lot of, of some restaurant or something and everyone's talking. We're all having a good time. And I just get this idea in my head. And I look back at this now and I say, man, what a childish thought. I look back at this now and I, and, I, and I think to myself, why would I have ever thought that way or reasoned that way? But at the time, it seemed like a great idea. So I got the idea to myself, wouldn't it just be funny if I ran and just jumped on top of the car? Wouldn't that be hilarious? Everyone would think that was really funny. The car is so small, I could easily do it. And wouldn't that be a funny thing? And so without thinking that through any further than that, I ran and I jumped. And I can tell you the second my feet left the ground, I knew this was a bad idea. If I could have bailed out at that point, I would have. But then at that point, I was all committed. And so I remember flying in the air and landing on the top of the car. And let me tell you something. When they do the crash tests on the cars, 
they usually don't uh, factor in, I don't think at least, especially maybe not in the mid-90s, like 200 pounds falling from the sky. I don't think that's a normal test. They test the bumpers in the front. They test the bumpers in the back. They do the side impact. But they're not usually like, hey, you know what else we should test for? Some fool who's going to jump on top of this vehicle out of nowhere. And so I remember hitting the top of the car and almost immediately everything that was concave on the top of that car became convex on the top of that car. And all of a sudden, if you sat in the car and drove the car, your head would very easily touch the roof of that vehicle because it was much closer to the ground uh, than it used to be. And I got off of the car and of course no one was laughing like I thought that they might laugh and nobody thought this was a good idea like I thought my, they might have thought it was going to be a good idea. I immediately was in a state of regret and you know it, it cost about 1200 bucks to fix the roof of that car. Luckily uh, my friend's dad was very nice uh, and he split it with me 50-50, thank goodness. Uh, if you're going to jump on someone's car, make sure their dad's an orthodontist because then they can really help out. But <laughs> All of us have those moments in our lives, don't we? You have those moments and I have those moments we can look back to and say to ourselves, I mean, that's kind of an embarrassing story to share, that I ever thought that was a good idea. And if you ask me, what were you thinking? I don't know. I don't know what I was thinking in that moment. But all of us have things that happen in our lives, things that we can look back on. Maybe you were 5 years old, 10 years old, 15 years old. Maybe this happened last week. And you look back and you say, man, how could I have been that childish? How could I have been that immature? How could I have thought that speaking that way or thinking that way or reasoning that way or acting that way was a good idea? If you were going to come up with a definition of childish behavior, immature behavior, how would you, how would you define that? How would you describe, if you had to describe uh, a childish worldview how would you describe that? I think one simple way for us to think about it is that someone who is thinking and acting and behaving like a child is engaging in childish behavior is someone who is in a position uh, where they feel like they are the center of the universe and everything else around them revolves around them. You see, when we're born into this world, that's how we act. That's how we think. We really cannot do anything on our own. So when we're a child, this is our feeling. From where we're sitting, we're the center of the universe. We're born into this world. We can do nothing on our own. And everybody that's been put around us is there to serve us and take care of us and make sure that we have everything that we need. And whenever we're in a childish mindset, whenever we're in an immature mindset, there's something about that thought process or that worldview that's still sitting there inside of us, isn't it? Where we say something we shouldn't say, we do something we shouldn't do, we think something we shouldn't think, we reason in a way that just is not a good way to reason, and the, the challenge is, is that we still have this immature, childish worldview that we're dealing with that says, I'm the center of the world and everything else revolves around me. A huge part of maturing is growing out of that mindset, isn't it? Understanding that we're not the center of the universe and everyone here is not to, is ne everyone else was not put here to serve us and take care of us. And so the question I want us to think about this morning is how are you 
And I'll ask myself the same question. How am I doing in maturing out of that mindset? That's the question I want you to think about this morning. Because here's the deal. We're closing out our relationship series this morning. We've been in this relationship series. If you've been with us, we're calling it Ancient Families, Modern Problems. And over the last couple of months, we've said even though the world has changed so much, even though they didn't have cell phones and the internet and the Bible, the dynamics that we deal with in our relationships have changed very little. People are still people. Marriage, parenting, dealing with with relationships within our family, our relationships to our father and mother, if we're a father and mother, our relationship to our children, uh, um, relationships among aunts and uncles and cousins and all of those types of relationships, those dynamics have changed very little in thousands of years, even though the world has modernized around them. And so the Bible actually has a lot to say that's very helpful when we're dealing with relationships. And here's why we're closing with this today. Because I believe that our greatest challenges and our greatest difficulties in dealing within our families, those relationships that we all have, no matter what your family looks like, we all deal with these relationships. We deal with husbands and wives and children. We deal with moms and dads and aunts and uncles and cousins and all these things that we have to deal with. The challenges that we face, I think if we were to look back, all stem from this childish way of thinking that we're talking about this morning. That one of the greatest challenges that we face is getting this right in our relationships. Is being able to move on from childish, immature thinking where I'm the center of the universe and everyone else revolves around me. I think if we can get this one right that it will dramatically improve all of the relationships that we have, friends, coworkers, family. All our relationships will improve if we can get this one right. So the question I want us to think about this morning is, is how are you doing in maturing? How are you doing in moving from a place where you're the center of the universe and everybody else revolves around you to a place outside of that? And there is a passage in the Bible that speaks directly to this, and I think gives us a great litmus test, a great piece of criteria for us this morning to be able to gauge just how we're doing and moving from being in a childish state of mind to being in a mature state of mind. It's a passage written by the Apostle Paul. And many of you, if you've been in church world for a while, you know who Paul is. Paul wrote over half of the New Testament. And the verses we're going to look at this morning, you're going to say to me, Pastor, I've heard these verses a thousand times because every time I attend a wedding, they use these verses. And I want to share with you this morning that every time you attend a wedding, they're taking these verses out of context. And so this morning, we're going to talk to you a little bit differently about these verses. And we're going to put them into the context of what Paul is talking about. And so even if you feel like you've heard these verses a thousand times, please pay special attention this morning to what God would have to say to us. Now, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, this is what Paul does. Paul brings out the challenge that you and I face and that the people in the church of Corinth faced. And here's what he says. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11. When I was a child, he says, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. 
I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. And now here's the reason why I say this is a challenge that Paul gives us. All of us know, all of us know that if we are going to be maturing in the way that we think and the way that we speak and the way that we reason, those are the three things that Paul says. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. I was the center of the universe, I think Paul would tell us, and everybody else revolved around me. But when I grew up, when it was time to become a man, I gave up childish ways. And here's the challenge that we face. Is maturing in this way that Paul's talking about is very different than growing up and taking on more responsibility. You see, we can in our lives, and specific to Father's Day, I think this is especially difficult for us men to think through and to deal with. We can take on all sorts of responsibility in our lives, and we can get older, and we can buy things, and we can progress in careers, and we can take on a whole lot more responsibility and feel like we are maturing. But in the way that we speak, in the way that we think, and in the way that we reason, never give up childish ways. Does that make sense? We can have the illusion of maturity in which we gain more responsibility in our lives and we get married and we have kids and we have a job and we're doing things that grown-ups do. But in the way, but if we talk about what Paul's talking about here and the way that I speak and the way that I think and in the way that I reason, I can still be stuck even with all that new responsibility in childish ways. And the challenge we face is that we really like thinking that way. We really like being in that place where we're the center of the universe and everything else revolves around us. We think Peter Pan had it right, don't we? That it would be great if we just never had to grow up, if we never had to take on more responsibility, if we could just do what we wanted when we wanted, and we could, we could continue to live a carefree, childlike life. We think he was on to something there. And so we like being in that place. And if you take a look at the way that we structure our culture and our, we are all about maintaining childish speaking, thinking, and reasoning. It's the exact way that, that social media works. We put ourselves on a page at the center of the universe and everybody else comes around us. And that's the goal of social media. A successful social media account has many, many followers and people liking and giving thumbs up and sharing things and following and doing all all those sorts of things and the way that we have structured our culture with social media and the way that we have made everything so consumer focused and consumer based where we don't go to stores based on uh, if they have the product we want necessarily we go to the place that's easiest and caters to us the best our whole culture is designed in a way that keeps us in a childish mindset where we can remain the center of the universe and everything else is there for our benefit. And if we're not careful, we can take on all sorts of new responsibility and have the illusion of maturity, but never move forward in the way that we think, in the way that we speak, in the way that we reason. We can be stuck in those childish ways. And the question that we would have is, why even grow up out of that? Why not maintain uh, this, this mindset? We like it. 
It's nice to be the center of the attention. We love it when everyone else around us, we love it when our kids or our spouse and everyone else around us just serves us. I liked waking up this morning and getting cards and presents. This is a great morning. I'm the center of attention and everyone else has gotten me things. We like that feeling. We like to be in that place. And so why change it? Why grow up out of that? Well, Paul gives us the context in the verses surrounding verse 11. In fact, if we were to start at verse 8 and read this passage, Paul gives us the very reason why we need to grow up out of that. He says, Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. Now I know that those verses might seem a little cryptic and we may say, well, what exactly is Paul talking about there? Here's what's happening in the Corinthian church. The Corinthian church at this time People are coming together and they're acting extremely selfishly as they come together. In fact, if we were to read this whole letter that Paul writes to this church in Corinth, he talks about with that fact that when they get together for meals, when they get together and eat, some people go ahead and they take all the food and some people go ahead and they drink all the wine. And he said, some of you are eating all the food and drinking all the wine and getting drunk. And the neediest people in your congregation, the neediest people in the family of God among you are, are going without food. And you're coming together for these gatherings that are supposed to be community meals. And you're coming together for the Lord's Supper and you are acting very selfishly. And then he says, you're coming together for your worship services. And God's given all of, all of these gifts. Some of you speak in tongues and some of you prophesy. You have all these gifts, but you're coming together and everybody is exercising the gifts for themselves. And you're forgetting that when you come together, it's supposed to be a larger collection. It's the body of Christ. And God gives you a gift, not just for yourself, but for the others that are gathered with you. And so he tells these people, you need to have order in your service where if one person speaks, let them speak. And then another person, stop talking over each other and being so selfish. And Paul says to them in these verses, here's the reason why. Your life takes place in an eternal context. It's not just about the years that you're given on this earth. Your life takes place in an eternal context. And what happens is if we maintain our childish way of speaking and thinking and reasoning, where we're the center of the universe and everything else revolves around us, we can live our years on this earth and miss the fact that one day we are going to stand face to face with the creator who made us and have to give an account of how we spent our time. And the very call of learning to follow Jesus Christ with our lives means that we take the focus off ourselves and put it on him. That we learn to love God first and then learn to love others. And Paul's saying, listen, right now you see dimly. 
as in a mirror. Right now you don't understand everything, but there will come a day when you stand in the presence of God and all of a sudden everything will become clear. Right now you prophesy in part. You have limited knowledge based on your state in this world and where you are and who you know. But eventually you're going to know everything in full because you're going to be with God himself in eternity. So don't make the mistake of being so childish in your thinking and speaking and in the way that you reason that you forget that your entire life isn't just about this time right here, but it takes place in the context of eternity. So make sure you're living your life the way God calls you to. Make sure that you are maturing in your walk with him. Make sure that you are moving forward and leaving behind a childish worldview for a more mature, godly worldview. And the question we're left with, okay, Paul, if that's our challenge to grow up and mature out of this childish way of thinking, and if the reason we're supposed to do it is because our lives are in this eternal context, and one day we're going to see God face to face and have to give an account for how we're lived, how we've lived, then how in the world are we supposed to measure whether or not we're doing this well? How do we know if we're moving forward? How do I know today was better than yesterday? Because if we're honest, all of us still struggle with making ourselves the center of the universe, no matter how mature we are in Christ, no matter how long we've walked with him, there are places in our lives where we know we struggle with making ourselves the center of attention. We fall back in the childish way of speaking and reasoning and thinking. So how do I know, Paul? Well, I think Paul gives us the criteria. He gives us that answers in the verses that come just before these. And here's the verses that you may recognize. I think Paul would say to us, you want to know if you're moving forward? How do you show love to other people? What does that look like in your life? You want to know if you're moving forward from being in a childish way of speaking and thinking and reasoning to being in a mature place where God calls us to be, where God is first and others are second? I think Paul would say to us, well, show me how it looks when you show love to other people. When Paul's telling this church to move on from being so selfish to focusing on more important things, this is what he tells them it looks like. Love is patient, he says, and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. This morning I'd ask you to think about your closest relationships, your friendships, your relationship with your children, your relationship with your mom or your dad, your relationship with your spouse. When you show love, is this what it looks like? That's a challenging one for me because I can't stand before you here and say that when I show love to my family, to my wife and my kids, that all the time the love I show is patient and kind. 
I can't stand before you today and tell you, listen, all the time when I think about showing love to friends or family who I think have things that are better than me, that I'm never envious. I can't tell you that I go to show love and I don't boast about myself. I can't tell you that I'm never arrogant or rude. I can't tell you that my love doesn't always insist on its own way, that I'm not irritable or resentful. I can't do that because there are places in my life where I know I fall short of this ideal, where that childish way of thinking and reasoning, it it takes hold in my life. And I start to think, listen, these people that are around me, they're here to serve me and I will show them love as long as they're doing what I want them to do and they're falling into line with what I want. But what Paul would say to us is if we are maturing in Christ, the way that we show love to other people, the way that we love those people who are closest to us will look like this. That in our relationships, there'll be kindness and patience. That we won't be envious or resentful or irritable. And I think for many of us, the biggest reason we struggle with our family relationships, when we get them wrong, we all know what that feels like, is because we're getting this wrong in our own hearts. Because we're stuck in a childish way of speaking and thinking and reasoning and haven't allowed God to do the work in our hearts to be able to love the way he calls us to love. This is the way Jesus put it in John chapter 13. These are verses that we've read a number of times over the past few weeks But we're going to read them again this morning because when we love, when we're called to love those people that are closest to us, what Jesus says here is so important. A new command I give to you, he says, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You are to love one another. How did Jesus love you and me? By coming to this earth and demanding that you and I serve him? By coming to this earth and holding himself up as some sort of dictator in which he tells us to fall in line and do exactly as he says? He came down on this earth and gave his life for you and me. The thing he did right before he said this is he got down on his hands and his knees with a bowl of water and a towel and washed his disciples' dirty, sweaty feet. He said, you see how I'm showing you love? By serving you? That's how you're to love each other. And I'll tell you, in our lives and in our hearts, many of us, and I need this too, places in my life, we need to have a Capernaum revolution happen inside of our hearts. I'll tell you what I mean by that. You remember maybe from your history class that in 1543, Nicholas Copernicus released uh, his, his, uh, his writing that really changed the way people thought about this world and this universe. Up until Nicholas Copernicus, the, the general thinking was that the earth was the center of the universe and everything else revolved around a stationary earth. 
It was once he wrote in 1543 that people began to understand that really the sun was the center of the universe and everything revolved around the sun. And even though he didn't have everything perfect when he wrote that work, over the next few hundred years, everything in the universe began to fall into place as people realized that he was right, that the earth wasn't the center of the universe, that the sun is the center of the universe, and everything revolves around it. You see, what had been happening is from the 13th century, astronomers had been having struggles with this theory that the earth was at the center because things didn't make sense when they looked at the sky. Everyone believed the earth was the center, but there are writings from a couple centuries before Copernicus where people are saying, we can't resolve this problem. We can't figure out why this is this way. And they knew the challenge was there, but it wasn't until Copernicus that someone finally said, hey, maybe we're wrong about this thing. Maybe the way that the universe works isn't that the earth is at the center. Maybe the sun is at the center. And once he made that shift, all of a sudden in the next couple hundred years, everything began to fall into place. And all of those things that were unresolvable became resolvable. And many of us need the exact same thing to happen in our lives. We need our own revolution, our own Capernaum revolution to happen in our hearts where we who are the center of the universe are taken out of that place and the true center of the universe, the Son, S-O-N, Jesus Christ, is put into that place in our lives. And I'm telling you right now, if you're at the center of your universe, if everything else and the way that you handle your relationships is, is with you at the center and everyone else revolving around you, Right now, there are things in your life that you can't make sense of. They just seem off, and they just seem wrong. If we have that revolution take place in our hearts, where we take ourselves out of the center, and Christ moves into his rightful place at the center of our world, then as we go, all of a sudden, all those things will begin to fall into place. Relationships will improve. Our own Ability to love others the way God calls us to will improve. As Christ stays at the center and all the activity that we do circles around him. When we get to that place where we stop like a child saying, mine, everything is mine, my life is mine, this is mine, these are my things, and we start saying, God, it's yours, my heart is yours, my mind is yours, my possessions are yours, my family is yours. When we switch that mindset from saying, mine, 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 to yours, yours, yours. All of a sudden, God is able to do his work in our hearts and in our lives. And all those other things start to fall into place. I'm going to invite our worship team to come back up as we close this morning. And I would just ask you, if you would, would you be willing to bow your head and close your eyes? And let's just think together about this for one moment. I think for most of us in the room this morning, there are places that we can identify in our life where we are stuck in a childish way of thinking and speaking and reasoning. Where we can look at the way that we love our, show love to friends, we can look at the way we show love to family, we can look at the way that we show love to others, and as we look at it, all of a sudden it becomes clear to us that the reason things have been tense, the reason things have been difficult, is not because of the other person, it's because we ourselves have been stuck in this childish way of speaking and thinking and reasoning, where we're expecting the world to revolve around us. 
And so our love has not been the way Paul describes. In fact, our love has been envious and boastful and arrogant and insisting on its own way. And so this morning you have an opportunity to to come before God and to ask him, God, in those places in my life, would you take me out of the center and would you move into that place? Would you help me by your Holy Spirit to be able to love the way that you call me to love, to think the way that you call me to think, to reason the way you call me to reason, to speak the way you call me to think? God, would you help me to stop saying mine to everything and to say it's all yours? I don't know where those places are in your heart this morning, but you know and God knows. And before we leave, we're going to give you an opportunity to have a conversation with God and spend some time in his presence. This work of removing ourselves from the center of the universe and putting Christ in his rightful place, it is a work that we cannot do on our own. It is a work that takes place in and through the Holy Spirit at work in our hearts and our lives. And so God wants to do that work inside of you if you'll let him. Maybe you're here this morning and you have these relationships in your life, close people to you, friends, spouse, kids, extended family, and those relationships are difficult for you. This morning is a morning to bring those relationships to God and ask him that he would do this work in your heart so that you can love the way he calls you to love, even if no one else around you does. In just a moment, we're going to close with some music. And my wife and I and Justin and Alyn are going to be in the back of the room. And if you'd like someone to pray with you through some of these situations, if God's speaking to you this morning, please come and talk to us. We want to pray with you. Or maybe this morning you just want to spend some time alone with God. You are welcome as we sing these last few songs to come up to the front to these altars, to kneel down and to ask God to do this work inside of you. Holy Spirit, we pray that you'll move among us in these moments, that you will speak to your heart, to our hearts. Lord, I confess that there are places in my life and there are places in my, in my relationships where you are not the center, where I put myself at the center and I get envious and arrogant and resentful and boastful and I insist on my own way. God, I pray that in those areas that you will remove me from the center and put Christ in his right place and that you would help me by, my, by your spirit to be able to love the way you call us to love. And God, I pray for those of us in the room that are feeling the exact same way. God, would you by your spirit help us to grow up and to love the way you call us to love. Hey, thanks again for listening to this sermon from the Belmont campus of Mount Hope. If you live in the Belmont area, we'd love to have you join us each Sunday at 10 a.m. Or if you'd like to know more about Mount Hope Christian Center with campuses in Burlington and Belmont, Massachusetts, you can visit our website at www.mounthope.org.